I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Welcome, folks, to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I hope you're having a fabuloso day. Let me get this microphone moved over. There we are. I'm your host, Paige. Here's my coffee. That's how Jesus says he loves me. And the Lord invented coffee, and he saw that it was very good. And it is. All right. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2 today. And there are a couple thoughts that come that are going to come out of this. It actually caught me by surprise a little bit when I was preparing for it. And... Um, and partially, it's it's not because it's something I didn't know. Well, I guess it was because I didn't know. But I'd never considered it before. And that's a cool thing about God's Word. He brings things up to consider that you hadn't considered before. And the other thing that we're going to talk a little bit about today is, you remember when I told you that uh, everybody has a bias when it comes to reading Scripture and interpreting Scripture? Uh, you have a point of view, a context within which you judge Scripture. And the two primary contexts that are out there are Reformed and non-Reformed. Reformed, think Calvinist. Non-Reformed, think Arminian. And those uh, two points of view will determine how you view certain Scripture. And... One thing God taught me when I was going through the New Testament last year, this last year, was that uh, no matter what your point of view is, there will be passages of Scripture that will challenge that and don't fit really neatly and dovetail real neatly into your point of view. And in order for you to make sense of that puzzling passage of Scripture, you have to avoid the temptation to make it say what you want it to say just because it goes against what you might think is true. I am Calvinist in my approach to Scripture. I am on the Reform side of the house, really solidly there. And that being the case, uh, though, I've learned to recognize that there is mystery in the Scripture, that there are things that are real head-scratchers and that really smack into my point of view and I it's hard for me to reconcile and I'm trying really 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 hard to avoid making these passages of scripture say what I want them to say we're going to run into some of that today that really brings into uh, question some of the things I believe within the context of Calvinism and reformed theology now, it doesn't mean that when I run into these passages of Scripture, I run screaming out of the room saying, I'm not a Calvinist. No. I'm open to the fact that Christianity is a mystery religion, and therefore there are mysteries, things that I just don't know. I'm willing to admit that there's things I don't know. 
And one of the greatest sins, I believe, that a Calvinist or an, or, or an Arminian commit is their steadfast refusal to admit that there's things they don't know. So, that being said, let's look at chapter 2 and see what it has to say to us. Chapter 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. God has just spent six days creating. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, we're gonna, he's going to do a recap and go in a little bit more detail about the creation of Adam and Eve. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. And there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. All right, got to stop right here. This is the first time that I'd ever considered this. Earth was not Eden. Eden was a place on the planet. He created heavens and earth, sky and ground, continents and oceans. And in the middle, somewhere in this continent was this place called Eden. So the whole earth was not this glorious, lush garden. There was a place called Eden, which was a glorious, lush garden. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, we saw that in Revelation, if you remember, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I wish I could cue mystery music. Dun, dun, dun. When we talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it separated into four headwaters. Now, the name of the first is the Pishon. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Doing my best, folks. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Now, the gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is a Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. All right, we're going to stop here for a second in camp. He put the man in the garden to take care of it. Now this word for care, um, Hebrew word there, it has with it an element of guarding. Um, now remember, Eden is not the entire world. It's just a place in the world. This lush garden that God put man into, and he told the man to care for it. Now, I don't think the man's going to be pulling weeds. 
I don't think he's going to be cultivating it like a farmer would cultivate a field of corn. Um, there, it, in, when he says to take care of it, there's an element of guarding it. There's an element also containing this word and used elsewhere in the Bible where this word is used. There's an element of a sacred duty. This has something to do that it, that is has a sacred quality to it. So Adam was given something to do in this garden to care for it. And it was like this garden was a sanctuary. And it was up to Adam to look after it and to care for it and to guard it. Guard it. And I wouldn't know, what would there be to guard against? Well, we'll find that out in chapter three. But uh, this was the, this is one of these passages of scripture that coupled with what we're going to see in chapter three, I can't completely answer within the scope of Calvinism. This challenges me because we're setting a scene here where Adam is to guard this Eden. He is to care for it. It's a sacred obligation. This is a holy place. And yet he doesn't, he isn't successful in guarding this kingdom, this garden, because a usurper sneaks his way in, the serpent. But hey, don't want to steal too much thunder from tomorrow's episode. So just know that Adam is to work it and to care for it, to guard it. It's a sacred thing. Uh, have you ever... Uh, have you ever done something just because to you it was sacred? Um, trying to think of something in my life that I feel that way about. Um, I feel that way about my family. There's, I will protect my family. I'll care for my family. When my we were raising our children, if you consider my children the garden, we cared for them. We we worked our garden. And my children were a sacred responsibility. And I did things for them that I won't do for anybody else because my children are sacred to me. They were. It was a sacred obligation to be their father. Adam has a sacred obligation to care for this garden. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. All right. That's a pretty heavy duty statement. So apparently, there were there's a chance that Adam could get in trouble. Adam, don't do this. If you eat from this tree, you will certainly die. The knowledge of good and evil. And I've been puzzling on I've been puzzling on that my entire life, that particular sentence. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. We're going to find out later in chapter 3 more about that. But I want to just camp here a second. Why would God put a tree in the middle of this lush garden and tell them, tell Adam, don't eat from it? Is this a test? Adam, are you going to obey me? I suppose there's elements of that there, but... 
God, if, if you look at this from the aspect of a parent to a child, God is a parent, Adam's a child. This is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. When my children were young as their parent, there was knowledge that was not appropriate for them at that age. For instance, sex, drugs, um, and children who have this knowledge of sex or drugs forced on them, you know, five, six years old by, by evil, evil men and women that kidnap them or whatever and do what, and it, who have this knowledge forced on them, there is something in them that dies. There's an innocence that is stolen and killed. Something precious is destroyed. When my child was five years old, I didn't introduce him to that knowledge. I didn't introduce my daughter to that knowledge. When they were at a point where it was appropriate to understand that knowledge, then they got that knowledge. But when they're five years old, that's not the time. And when that kind of knowledge is forced on them, yeah, there's something that dies. God isn't saying that if you eat from this tree a knowledge of good and evil, you're going to have a heart attack and fall over dead. And we're going to see tomorrow that that didn't happen. So what is this death he's talking about? This death he's talking about is that innocence that is lost. And there's a joy growing up with innocence. There's a joy that comes with growing up uh, I can better words. There's a joy that comes with growing up in innocence and when knowledge is revealed at the appropriate time. It's Adam's a child here and God is the parent. Adam, don't eat from this tree. It's you're not ready for what's going to happen. You're not ready for the knowledge you're going to receive. So that's my that's my take on this knowledge of good and evil. Um, you notice how he doesn't forbid him to eat from the tree of life. Just this one. And I don't know if this is a temporary or a once-for-all command. I really don't. I went in to see if I could find something from the tense of the verbs and everything. And is this a present tense, past tense? What I whatever. I couldn't discuss, I couldn't find the answer. I don't know if God is saying. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right now. Because if you do it right now, you're going to die. Later it'll be good for you. But right now it's not. Don't know. The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. 
because they are meant to be one flesh. Because in the beginning, they were one flesh until God removed from Adam to make Eve. They were joined together from the very beginning. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Innocence. I remember when uh, watching, going over to my son's house and uh, the grandkid, we had one grandson at that point. He has three children now, but he had one grandson. And after his bath, he would do what's called his booty run. And it didn't matter who was in the house. My grandson would run through the house, screaming and laughing, stark naked. He'd run through the living room, stark naked, and then run around and run back to his bedroom. And of course, his mother's chasing him. He'd gotten away from his mother and she was chasing him and she's going to the living room. She's laughing so hard, she's almost crying. She's going, sorry, 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 sorry. And she's chasing him with the towel to wrap him up. It was one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen in my life. He was totally innocent. Now, he's 13. That doesn't happen anymore. But at that point in his life, there was no shame. It was all innocence and it was hilarious, hilarious to see. Adam and Eve, his wife, were both naked and they felt no shame. This was a perfect place to be. Now, just to set up the stage for what's going to come tomorrow, because I'm almost done here. It's a short little lesson, I know. But again, Eden was a place on this world. It wasn't the world. So the whole earth wasn't a glorious garden. Eden was. And the other thought I wanted to um, touch on, I've got to go back here where it says, you know, it says here uh, he was supposed to care for it. Um, there is a, a term called cosmon, cosmonogy, C-O-S-M-O-N-O-G-Y, yeah. And basically it's, uh, uh, it, it deals with It deals with, oh, let me go find the definition of it. I had it at the tip of my fingers. Let me go find it here. Uh, cosmology. Uh, oops. Nope, that's not what I wanted. New window, there we go. Cosmology. Pardon moi. All right. The study, the study of the origin and evolution of the universe. Okay, basically. All right, every, every culture has a cosmology. Um, and all of them together have this, have similar aspects to them, cultures. And Israel was no exception. Um, there was, there's always a sense of pushing back against chaos. It's a religious thing. And it, it's your religious duty to push back against chaos. Keep chaos at the fringe. Keep chaos at the edge. Keep order and peace secure. So in caring for this garden, Adam had a sacred obligation to push the chaos to the edge. Now, what chaos would there be? 
again, this is these are thoughts that are going in my head. This is new stuff for me. I hadn't I don't know why I never did, but I never realized that Eden was a place apart from the rest of the world. And that there was a world outside of Eden. And that there apparently all was not good there. And we're going to find out later that, yeah, not all is good. And we're going to find out that the enemy of our soul begins his struggle with our with the king of kings here in this garden. And if Adam's job was to protect, part of his job is to protect this garden from the chaos that lay outside of it, we're going to find out that he slipped up. And that puts a different twist to the story, doesn't it? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. <sighs> These are just new thoughts. And again, this is Paige thinking with his mouth open. So take it for what it's worth. Eden was a place on this planet. And outside of Eden, all was not well. And Adam was given a command to care for the Garden of Eden. And that caring encapsulates a sacred obligation and there's a sense of guarding to watch, to observe. And it looks like we're going to find out tomorrow how well Adam did in that job. Okay. Well, it's a short one today, but hey, that's all I got. This is Paige. Here's my coffee. Folks, I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.